reach over and take that hand next to you. Father, we come like every day, like every week, every hour, every minute, every millimicrosecond. We need you. We openly declare it. We radically proclaim it. We need you. And so we ask right now, dear God, that you would sovereignly meet us as we look into your word, as you reveal yourself, that we would make, dear God, the contact that you would want us to make, that the eyes of our heart would be open, and that our response would be yes. Yes to what you're saying. Yes to what you're revealing to our hearts. We don't want to be hearers only. We want to be hearers and doers. We want to know the truth. We want to do the truth. We want to love the truth. Grant it. Let it permeate this gathering today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I love being here. This is a great church. I adore your pastor. I don't say this much, but I do have a man crush on him. Don't repeat me, but I, I really do, and uh, I've known him for many years, many, many years. Matter of fact, so many years, he used to walk me to school when I was a little... No, I'm just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. But take your Bibles, turn to Mark's Gospel, Mark in chapter 8. And in Mark's Gospel, Jesus had spent some time ministering to the multitudes, and there were about 4,000 people. And he felt compassion upon them after three days and recognizing they needed to eat. So they began to research what was available. And there were seven loaves of bread and a few fish. But see, Jesus, when he has access to resource, resource is not a limit. Resource is an opportunity. And it says he blessed it. And when he blessed it, things changed. See, the problem is many times we see resource as an end in itself. God sees resource as a means to an end. That's, whole, that's about the issue of a seed. You take a seed and a seed is a resource. And if you look at your world and say, I have nothing, I, I don't know how I'm going to make it, so I better hold on to these seeds. And you end up eating the seeds, it's an end in itself. But if you plant the seed... You set the stage for a harvest. It is a means to an end. In Mark's gospel, he's dealing with the multitude. And after a time of ministry and, and the 4,000 were fed and everybody was happy and there were basketfuls left. Then it says they went on their next adventure and they got onto the boat. And as they were going, the disciples realized we didn't take any of the bread. We didn't even bring one loaf of bread with us. And as they are going, Jesus is trying to minister to them about the first single spirit that was present in their day and the secular mindset that wanted to undo their faith. And he's trying to teach them. And they're thinking, we didn't bring any bread. We didn't bring at least one loaf of bread. And Jesus is having an issue now with them because he says, why are you so caught up about, about not having bread? See, don't you remember what just happened? I took seven loaves and fed thousands, and you're concerned about the fact that there's no bread on the boat. See, it's interesting that they are so caught up with the issue of not having resource that they lost sight of the fact that the source of the resource is in the boat. 
And it's about coming to a place of really having a proper perspective on what God is doing and seeing life from a divine perspective. What we see here in Mark's gospel, chapter 8, verse 22, it says, they came to, they came to Bethsaida and they brought a blind man to Jesus and employed him to touch him. Taking the blind man by the hand, he brought him out of the village and after spitting on his eyes and laying hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? Ask somebody, do you see anything? What was the response? Okay, we're going to have to finish this message, obviously. (laughs) And he looked up and said, I see men, for I see them like trees walking around. Then again, he laid his hands on his eyes, and he looked intently and was restored and began to see everything clearly. And he sent him to his home saying, do not even enter the village. So Jesus is with the disciples, and they had just come off of this moment where they were caught up with bread and issues of, of what they perceived they didn't possess. They didn't know that they possessed all things through the presence of the king of kings. And so here, they're in the process of being in Bethsaida, and it was brought to him a blind man. And it's a good possibility he was already there in, in the context because the village was an opportunity to do what people do who were stricken with such a malady, and that was to begin to beg on the street. So he was probably there already begging, and these men got him and brought him to Jesus. And what's interesting is we don't know the circumstances that precipitated his blindness. It could have been an accident. It could have been the elements of that day in the ancient world. There was much dust and poor hygiene, and there was the blazing sun that set the stage for eye disease in that day. So we don't know the circumstances. What we do know, that there was a season and time in which he could see. Because the miracle is described as the fact that he was restored to his sight. So there was a time in his life where he could see, and then there came a moment where he couldn't see anymore. There was a time where his perception of things was one way, and now his perception turned. There was light in his world, now there is darkness in his world. And what's interesting is that he was in the process of probably doing what he normally does, begging, trying to survive, in survival mode. And some people came and got him and brought him to Jesus because when your perception becomes darkened and you live within a dark perception, you can find yourself calling abnormal normal. And sometimes you need to have people outside of your present experience who can get you and bring you to a place where you can encounter normality again. As God so defines it. And so they brought him to Jesus. And this man is in this context. And and understand now, when your light world has been made dark, your perception has changed from light to darkness, and you function on a dark perception And that perception now influences the way you live. It influences the way you think. It augments your approach to life. It governs all your behavior. Then in that moment, your perception becomes your reality. And your reality becomes a personality. It becomes a deity. It becomes God to you because whatever is directing you, influencing you, guiding you, charting your course becomes God to you. And so now in order for this man to get where he needs to go 
in order for him to change his perception, he has to change his deity. He has to change from the point of living under the God of his present reality and stepping into the reality of God. See, what's the God of your present reality? Whatever is influencing you against the will of God, whatever is nurturing distrust and fear, and whatever is calling you to a place to say, things are so bad, they can't get better. See, that's the God of your present reality because there are truths in our life But to understand, there are lower truths and there are higher truths. The lower truths are what you see. You can go to the bank and say, I have no money in the bank. How many know that's a truth? (laughs) But it's the lower truth. Why? Because you are a child of the one who owns everything. So there's a higher truth that exists beyond your lower truth. And so the ability to perceive and function as he so prescribes. And so here, this man is at this place, and I think about it. When I get into my car, and it's interesting, when I get in my car, I notice I have two rearview mirrors, one on the left and one on the right. Uh, Most of you do, right? Okay, I'm not riding with any of you then, obviously. But there's a mirror on on your left and one on your right. And You notice on your right-hand mirror, there's something written. Objects in mirror are closer than they appear. You you have noticed that? Because if you haven't noticed that, that means you're potentially dangerous. (laughs) But what happens, both mirrors are made the same. They look the same. They appear to be the same. They're on each side of the car. They're, They're made identical. But... Based on where I am on the left side, my distance from the mirror affects my perception of the reality. And if I were to slide over to the right-hand side, the closer I get to the mirror, the more accurate my perception is of the reality. I said, the closer I get to the mirror, the more accurate my perception is of reality. See, there are a lot of things that try to nurture your perception in the media and things that happen and family life and challenges. But if I can get to the mirror, then I can become I can come to a place where my my perception is consistent with the reality. And so this man is at this place and they brought him to Jesus and Jesus takes this man and says it takes him by the hand and he takes him out of the village Why is that so important? Because the village is the place that nurtured his wrong perception. The village was the place that kept him in survival mode. The village was the place that affirmed the fact that you are blind and you can't accomplish anything and you can't have an expectancy for anything better. He takes him out of the village. Many times God will do that. We see that in the ministry of Jesus where he takes somebody out of their present situation and changes the environment. He changes it. There are mourners around. He gets them out of the room. Because you're mourning because you think somebody's dead. I got to get you out because resurrection power is about to be released. And, And so God will change the atmosphere. He takes this man out of the village and he does two things to this man. He does two things. The first thing he does is he spit in his eyes. And the second thing he does is he lays hands on him. He prays over, he touches him. That's what they wanted. They brought him to Jesus so he could touch them. But he spits on him. Now, (laughs) 
There were those who believed in that day that spittle had healing properties. That was not the vast majority. Most people saw, even in that culture of that day, as we do in our day, that to spit on somebody was a disgusting act. And Jesus spits in this man's eyes. Now, I'm not sure if somebody after service came up to you and spit in your face. I know you saved and everything. I know <laughs> you love the Lord. But I, I don't believe when the spit reached your face that you would just lift your hand and say, thank you, dear God. What an awesome God. You've been good to us. This is just what I needed to get where I needed to go. Praise the Lord. This is refreshing. Thank you, my brother. If there were more people like you in my life, I don't think that would be your response. You would be offended by the fact that somebody spit in your face. And see, sometimes God has to offend where we are in order to get us where we need to go. He has to shake us from the complacency of our dark perception. He has to upset where we are because, understand, things are not as they appear. And we live as if they are as they appear. But there's another realm that dictates how we function. It's the unseen. That's why we walk not by faith, by sight, but by faith. We walk by faith in the living God. So here he spits in this man's eyes and then he lays his hands on him and prays over him. And he's praying over him. And after he finishes praying over him, he asks him a question. He says, do you see anything? Now, resident in the question is the realization that what is happening is a process. You ever felt like God was taking you through a process? That God was doing something? You know, the Bible says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, he who began a good work in us will perfect it unto the day of Christ Jesus. Wow, he began a good work, and he's going to work on us until Jesus comes back. That's a long process. He's working on us throughout our life. In essence, throughout our life, he's working on us. And so there's a, a process in God. Sometimes God does things, and it happens immediately. King James Version says straightway. It just happens like that. Supernatural release. And then sometimes it's a process. Anybody ever heard the word endurance? You don't even like to say it, do you? Endure. You're like, you can't say it fast. You got to endurance. Right up there with patience. Long suffering. The slow words of God. But God has us in process. That's what he does. That's how he works on us. Sometimes it's immediate. Sometimes it's a process. He says, do you see anything? Notice what he didn't ask the man. He didn't ask him, do you see everything? He says, do you see anything? He says, I see men, but they're like trees. Now, if you don't understand the process of God, you say, what is wrong with God? healing God, God of divine intervention, and he comes in my life and I can see men like trees? 
See, you got to understand the process of God. Because if you can understand the process of God, you can appreciate where God has you right now in this season. I said, if you can understand the process of God, you can appreciate where God has you in this season. That's why you can rise up this morning and say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Oh, yeah, there's chaos in my marriage. There's challenges in my parental uh, responsibilities. There's, There's people stabbing me in the back at work. But this is still the day the Lord has made. One, two, three, four. Okay, we're getting there. Because things are not as they appear. See, no one can stab you in the back if you're not alive. No one can stab you in the back at your job if you don't have a job. Right? You having issues with your kids? You know how many people pray to have kids? See, understand something. There are people, there are many people who would consider themselves blessed to have your problems. It's all about perspective. It's about seeing God and what you go through. And so here, it's in the process of this that this man is at a place, and he says, I see them as trees. See, some of us would probably respond and say, I see them as trees, Jesus. The best you can do. But that response comes from a place that you don't understand. Just yesterday, you couldn't see it all. The process of God is where God is taking us to a new place, a fresh place. But sometimes it involves us enduring or long suffering. And in that, if we have a proper perspective, then we're able to celebrate God in it. So here is this man, and he says, I see them as trees. And then Jesus goes back and lays hands on him again. It, didn't, it wasn't that he didn't have the power to do it the first time. See, it's not that God doesn't have the power to change your situation right now. That's, that's in the process of God. God is working on something beyond your need, your immediate surface need. He's working on something in you. It's like, it's like praying for somebody. You ever have people that just, that just work you? And they'd work that last nerve, even though that's not medically proven <laughs> that you have a last nerve. <laughs> but they work that one, whether it exists or not. And you go and you begin to pray for them. Oh, God, help them. Get them out of my life, whatever. You just pray for them. Like David, break their teeth out. I don't know. So you're praying for them. But see, as God has you praying for them, as you take them to the throne of grace, who's standing there at the throne of grace? You. God's working on you while you're praying for them. And there's something that happens in the process. That as we go through the process, God is doing something in the process of us waiting or enduring. And so this man, this man, Jesus prays for him and comes back. Now, where are you? And the man, it says, after he prays for him, it says he looked intently. That's a compound Greek word. It, it, it means to look through. See, he invested himself. At this point, he wasn't just looking. He was looking intently. When you look intently, you have an expectancy. 
That's, that's a changing of perspective, his, his perception. Now he expected something ha to happen, and he looked intently, or he looked through. See, there are things all around you, but can you look through them? There are things that are sending you messages, but can you look through them? There are things that are trying to undermine your ability to go forward, but can you look through them and see what God is doing? He looked through. He, he could see. He looked intently, and then it says he saw everything clearly. He couldn't see everything clearly until he looked intently. He couldn't see everything through until he looked through. See, it's coming to a point of coming to a place where you yield yourself. And Jesus heals this man and says his sight was restored. To restore his sight, he restored his sight. This is powerful. In the process, he restored his sight. He saved his sight. But see, there's another word for restoration. It's not the word that's found in this context. It appears in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. It says, when a brother is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. That word is the Greek word kata, kata, kata. <laughs> I just had a momentary brain lock. Kata tizo, there you go. Kata tizo, it, it, it carries this idea, not only to, not the idea to bring back, that's the word restore, when something's lost, it's been brought back. This word, kata tizo, means to mend, like a net has been broken, a fishing net, and you mend it back, or to reset a bone that's been broken, to straighten it out. The idea here is to make completely straight. He restored the man's sight. He saved his sight. But when he took him out of the village and he told him not to go back, he saved his life. Because that was the place that nurtured his wrong perception. And see, understand something, even today, that as we come to this place, it's important that you not function based just on what you see. You function based on what God is saying, for things are not as they appear. I know you see some things in your life, and if you were to follow those things, they would mess you up. It would make things worse. Function according to based on what the mirror is saying, what God is saying to us. You know, I want to seal something, then we're going to do something else. Father, I thank you for your word and your truth. Seal it to our hearts that we're not just be hearers, but we'll be doers. We're going to be tested. We're going to be tested even this week, if not today. Help us to pass the tests, to walk by faith and not by sight. In Jesus' name.